0: Where Nobody Knows Your Name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a cheers podcast. Today we're talking about episode 16 of season 5, Never Love a Goalie, part 1. It aired on the 29th of January 1987, directed by James Burroughs, and it sees the return of Ken Levine and David Isaacs after a season long absence in season 4. Not only is this another episode about Ken Levi, someone we've had on the podcast in the past, but we see the return of Barry. Barry, welcome back. Another episode with a monkey in it.
1: Yeah, that seems to be my speciality. Uh, I do love those monkeys. We can't wait to talk about them. But first, cold open? So we open in the bar at closing time. As everyone gets up to leave, Norman and Cliff realise that they're gaining an extra hour because the clocks go back that evening and uh, they turn around and grab themselves another beer. Rack em up, Sam. Still got an extra hour on the clock. Come on now,
0: what are you playing at, Sam? We know your game. <laughs> it's, it's baseball. That called open, very much unrelated to the episode as a whole. And from the title, "Never Love a Goalie," it's a sports episode. And in this episode, Carla starts seeing this French Canadian hockey goalie. Yes. See so how yeah, that develops.
1: Well, we begin with a crestfallen Fraser entering the bar, and he declares that his. Dear friend has died. And this initially gains a little bit of sympathy from Sam until Sam finds out that the dear friend in question is uh, Bombo the Chimp. Poor old Bombo. Sad
0: times. Absolutely. Bombo. I mean, that's, let's talk about Bombo for a bit. He was not only your average test monkey. He excelled in all the tests in comparison to the other monkeys, didn't he? He was Fraser's favourite monkey.
1: Frasier's favourite monkey, who was part of an experiment into childcare and parenting. And obviously that probably meant that he had quite a a close tie to a monkey that had been raised from a young age. Yes. Although this is all conjecture. (laughs) I mean, it's probably
0: true. What do we know about childcare and parenting, psychological experiments? I only know of little Albert. Poor little Albert. Yeah. Let's talk about little Albert. It was instilling the fear of fluff into a child.
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) An experiment that went from making a child scared of... I think it was a bunny. Was it a bunny? They
0: gave it a bunny. The child went, oh, bunny. And then they had a clown mask with kind of white sideburns and scared the child. And then <laughs> and, the, and then they gave the bunny back to the child and the child couldn't cope.
1: They banged a gong, didn't they? Or, or made loud noises when the bunny was introduced to uh, get a sort of Pavlovian fear response out of the child. I think ultimately it just made the child scared of everything. And... You know, we we should probably stop there. I think the whole story is quite tragic after that point.
0: Yes, Google Little Albert. But in terms of childcare and parenting, don't try to scare a child. That's all I
1: know. Maybe wait till they're a teenager and then jump out from behind the curtain. I think that's as as far as your pranks can go.
0: Yeah, teenagers (laughs) are fine. Teenagers deserve a little (laughs) fight. But Frasier wasn't trying to scare the monkey at all. I think he was quite nurturing. But as you said, he is quite sad. Sam's kind of making jokes about him trying to get him to cheer up can i get you anything please something to take my mind off my troubles how about a banana daiquiri
1: ha your monkey's dead frazier yeah a little cruel but i must admit i did giggle at the banana daiquiri so maybe i'm heartless too
0: <laughs> we get introduced to another side plot as as said in the episode title uh, this is part one and this side plot will be more prevalent in part two but let's introduce it now where diane's become a member of the jury
1: Yes, and seems wildly excited and honoured by the opportunity, although does uh, let slip at the end that she tried to get out of it. I found this whole storyline, and we'll talk more about it later, I found it a little odd, a bit shoehorned in, but also it gets given a bit more airtime in the next episode. It makes more sense in part two. Mm. But we'll talk about more later. But needless to say, Diane is desperate to... uh, tell everyone all about her jury duty and how important she is for getting on there and becoming the foreman of the, the jury.
0: I mean, I can understand the attribution of importance because it is deciding someone's guilt and fate. I can understand that. Most people would just be like, oh, jury duty. But of course, Diane, being pretentious Diane that she is, relishes it. She does, however, know that she can't talk about it, but keeps using hypothetical examples which are eerily detailed to the point that I don't think they're as hypothetical as she claims.
1: Yeah, uh, Diane is desperate to have some company in her new adventure. It's a strange thing, jury Duty. I've never been. Have you, James?
0: No, seems interesting. I was going to use the word fun. That's not accurate. Seems interesting.
1: Yeah, I imagine it's something that the overall... Overarching story might be interesting, or the the case you're watching, but I imagine there's an incredible amount of
0: tedium. And yeah, I'd imagine there's parts which are quite dry. I've known people who've been on jury duty, which is a weird bag, but yes,
1: (laughs) (laughs) there's there's your claim to fame. But
0: no, uh, I've never been on jury duty myself. However, I do think it's not going to be as exciting as Twelve Angry Men. No, that's my (laughs) benchmark for jury duty
1: oh mine is the um tom cruise jack nicholson you can handle the truth absolutely yeah yeah i'm going to find a point in my life to shout that at someone but i'll tell you what about her
0: trial diane don't know jack oh uh, yeah uh, very nice james uh, at least not yet all we do know and it's alluded to throughout in an increasing manner is that It's the trial of a husband who had a chainsaw in the kitchen and hence the wife thinks he was trying to kill her.
1: Yes. That's it. And Diane, uh, it seems, gets the same opinion, uh, but we shall come back to that later. So whilst Diane is excited about her jury duty, we get a new visitor to the bar that the rest of the bar seem excited about. And this is a ice hockey goalie who is making big waves for the Bruins, the the Boston ice hockey team, because they've won five in a row since he joined. And he's the new golden star. Into the bar, he comes to some acclaim. And in particular, there's one person in the bar who is very excited to meet him. Carla.
0: Carla likes her sport. She used to be very obsessed with Sam back in
1: day. She's found a new sports obsession now by the name of Eddie Lebec, And she goes over to deliver his drink, a very specific drink. And she's quite dumbfounded, doesn't she? she she's speechless, stands in front of him agog and isn't quite sure what to say. Which for Carla is quite something.
0: She's usually very
1: forward with men. And so what is the drink that she delivers,
0: James? The drink that Eddie orders is club soda, no ice, two slices of lime and a
1: red straw. Very specific but it's part of his ritual. His superstitious ritual before the game. He seems to have a bit of an action that he undertakes with this drink as well. He takes a sip and he does a kind of cross
0: with his fingers over
1: it. Yeah, he puts the napkin over the top of the drink and places the straw on top of the napkin. His pregame ritual is... Very particular. Yeah, very particular. Uh, So obviously a very superstitious man. And we know that Carla is a superstitious woman from previous episodes as well, particularly the Haunted House episode. Maybe these two might be a match.
0: But uh, Diane makes an observation about Eddie, which is very astute, that because he's got a French surname and because people in the bar know who he is, she deduces that he's a sports player of some kind. (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) I guess this is how this uh, is kind of set the never-love-a-goalie
1: storyline. Eddie Lebeck is obviously a little taken with Carla too, I think to her surprise, because he's the big star, and he offers Carla his tickets for the game, something which Carla is wildly excited about. But who does uh, she take with her, James? She obviously has more than one ticket. Norman and Cliff argue about it because they're like, hockey,
0: oh, love, hockey, oh, take me. <laughs> Completely accurate. Uh. <laughs> Are you a sports fan, James? No, is it obvious? <laughs> but after they argue about it, Carla goes, Fine, I'll take I'll take Frasier. And he's a bit surprised too, but he's like, Fine, maybe it will take my mind off monkey business.
1: He sees it as an a possible experiment in the human psychology of sports fans, doesn't he? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And may lead to a change in character from Fraser later in the episode. So off they go. This all moves very quickly, doesn't it? This it, we jump straight from them leaving to coming back. Well, one of them coming back. Yes. Carla returns alone. No Fraser in sight just yet, and Carla is wildly excited because she thinks that Eddie has made a romantic gesture towards her. Do you remember what that gesture is? James? Well, I remember what it
0: is. It's a it's
1: a very tortelli gesture.
0: I can imagine Nick doing much the same, where he spits at her. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: A sort of uh, sportsman's end of game gob onto the field. It's bodily fluids. It's romantic. Yes. (laughs) I don't recommend it.
0: This is just Carla's view. Who am I to say what a romantic gesture is between Carla and her potential lovers? But he is interested and she is interested, regardless of whether that specific gesture was a invitation of any sort.
1: But typical Carla. She even says in this episode she loves that kind of guy. She loves the goalies because they're uh, they're living a life of danger. They're more likely to have missing teeth and bruises. She likes them rough and ready, does Carla. Four, four indeed. Then Fraser returns. Yes, he's had quite the adventure, hasn't he? Been arrested. <laughs> oh, Fraser, what are you like? What a jape he gets himself into. He's got himself into a scuffle. And quite enjoyed it, by the sounds of things. Visceral thrill. Yes. So what
0: happened, James? Some guy in front of him, he couldn't see. Fraser asked him to move. Guy
1: out with him. Uh, escalation. <laughs> I think in this case, it was a cowboy hat, which I'm with Fraser all the way here. I've been to many a sporting event. And if the person in front of me was wearing a cowboy hat, which are quite large things, I think I'd be a little put off as well.
0: Yeah, particularly in hockey arenas, because they're quite compact, aren't they?
1: They are, but that probably means that you've got a bit more of a steeper seating area. So a cowboy hat is what begins this scuffle. Well, so there was this guy sitting in front of me who insisted on wearing his cowboy hat. Well, I asked this Huckleberry several times to remove it and he refused. And so then I just took it off his head and handed it to him. He handed it back to me with his fist.
0: I think I've been to a baseball game with cowboy hats. I was not wearing the cowboy hat, but cowboy hats were present.
1: I've also been to a baseball game, a very sparsely populated baseball game in San Francisco where we started a Mexican wave. Um,
0: (laughs) Was there only five of you?
1: There was five of us and then probably another 20 people spread around this huge stadium. I'm very proud to say that it caught on.
0: (laughs) I went to see, years ago now, uh, went to see a Yankees and Orioles game. Quite enjoyed it. Long? No, it didn't go into extra innings. Final score was 9-1. However, the score of the hockey game is that the Bruins won.
1: To continue their streak. To celebrate, Eddie comes back to cheers. Yeah, with seemingly an ulterior motive here. Obviously is there to see Carla and proves it moments later by planting a, a big old kiss on her.
0: You stud, Eddie. Eddie decides to start a romance with Carla Eddie can't help himself but start a romance with Carla. He's like, everything's gone so well, and I'm not going to change anything except one thing. What could go wrong?
1: Yes. Carla is worried by this because Eddie is the big famous new star on the block, paying for everything, although she's driving him everywhere. She's his limousine. Chauffeur. Chauffeur. (laughs) Yeah, she is not the limousine. (laughs) On my back, (laughs) off we go. It's a
0: compromise of sorts, I guess. Hmm. But they're both loving it. They're both loving the company of each other. Yeah,
1: they seem to have a whale of a time. Finally, we see Carla in a good relationship, it seems, if early. But he certainly seems like a nice chap.
0: Or so it seems. Well, he is a nice chap, but the good relationship, or so it seems. Or so it seems. But we shall come to
1: that. We get a little bit of uh, Diane time in between here. And Diane essentially is doing the same thing throughout this whole episode, which is pretending she's not trying to talk about the jury trial.
0: The chambers of justice, she is. Very good, James. (laughs) I know you wouldn't let me down. She's even bothering customers about it. It looks like she's talking to them for 20 minutes straight, questioning the nuances of the justice system and giving existential questions. And they're just like, please get our drinks.
1: Yes, no one is interested in hearing what she's got to say. That seems quite a regular thing with Diane. She certainly seems to rub people up the wrong way.
0: It's also because no one's really prompted this. I'd understand if Cliff, I could imagine because Cliff likes his facts, he's a bit nosy. If he went, "Uh, so Diane, tell me about this uh, trial here, and then she went off on one, I get it.
1: Doesn't happen. She just starts telling
0: people. Yes. Terrible jury member.
1: (laughs) (laughs) In the middle of this, we've got... Eddie returns to the bar again and orders his pre-game drink. And there's a nice little joke with uh, Woody in here. Woody, you get that man a club soda, no ice, two slices of lime and a red straw. (laughs) Is that really what you want? Yes, sir. How'd you know that, Sam? (laughs) You ordered it yesterday. Oh, well, I'd better hurry. Another cracking Woody
0: moment. I've said it before. Woody doesn't like intelligence, just very literal.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a few examples of that in these these few episodes it's a literal innocence it's an, an eagerness to please as well on all levels that just makes him so lovable as eddie uh, gets his drink and then he changes his routine doesn't he, he makes it point of saying i'm only going to change one thing to which he kisses carla on the lips and then wanders off
0: to go and play another game he, he drops his wallet now this is innocuous at first but what we've learned is that eddie never lets in a goal This is his thing. So Carla picks up his wallet and goes, hey, Eddie, your wallet. Throws it at him and he doesn't catch it, Barry. Ah, my heart sank. It was a big moment. And Eddie goes, oh, you know, he waves goodbye. And Sam's like, oh, that's weird. Carla goes, he's such a klutz.
1: This is setting in motion the, uh, the rest of the dual episode, isn't it? We suddenly know what's coming, as if we didn't know before.
0: We see a game on the TV. The goalie lets in some goals, which is not okay.
1: Again, the way you explain sports is is a thing of beauty, James.
0: (laughs) He lets lets him some goals, so he does. uh, And apparently it's a goal that he should have blocked in his sleep. And this is according to the sports announcer, of which I am not.
1: And it's a, a game that miraculously, I think he only has had one shot against him throughout the whole game, which is our way to not know whether he's still got his skill or not. But then right at the death, the last shot of the game, he fluffs and lets in an easy one and they lose.
0: The footage that was shown on the TV, I'll have you know, is not actually the real Eddie Lebeck. It's actually Doug Keens, number 31, who was a Bruins goalie.
1: So Doug Keens is the man who fluffed this shot. Yeah. Shame on him.
0: Big shade there (laughs) for a 34-year-old hockey match.
1: Poor old Eddie getting all the blame.
0: (laughs) But since we're talking about people who appear in this episode... Let's talk about the cast. We have Jay Thomas as Eddie Lebeck. He also had a recurring role in Mork and Mindy as Remo da Vinci. This was his second ever role. He's also appeared in Family Ties, Golden Girls, Murphy Brown, The Santa Claus Films as The Easter Bunny, and Ray Donovan. Mark Arnott appears as Mark. Deanna Oliver as Deanna, in addition to writing 67 episodes of Animaniacs, Oliver also appeared in Joni Loves Chachi, Night Court, New Heart, and she played the titular role in the Brave Little Toaster series. Hugh McGuire as Hugh and Steve Giannelli as Steve.
1: If you'd written that many episodes of Animaniacs, your CV would be bulletproof, wouldn't it? (laughs) I wonder if she uh, she had any hand in the the Animaniacs Countries of the World song. What an incredible example of timing, fitting all those words into that, that tune. Brilliant.
0: As said, Eddie misses the goal. Carl is a bit kind of worried. And Sam tries to comfort her by saying, oh, you just had an off night. And Carl goes, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Nothing to worry about. She leaves and everyone's going, tugging
1: at their collar a little bit. Yeah. Mm. The old Homer Simpson. <laughs> uh,
0: and that's basically how the episode ends. Mm. And it uh, will leave you with that tension as uh, we move on to trivia. Is that the doorbell, James? It is the doorbell accurately queued doorbell.
1: Well, shall I start us off then, James? Then my, my I'll open my first envelope. At the beginning of the episode, Cliff and Norm gain an extra hour at the bar, but what is Woody's mnemonic for remembering which way the hours go?
0: I'm going to say it's something very
1: Indianan. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. It's quite a little nice phrase that he's got. It's spring forward and fall back. Oh, I know this,
0: yeah. Yeah, my mum... My Told me this. Uh, I don't know whether she learned it from Woody or whether it was a pre-existing phrase. It's certainly an American phrase. Because of fall. Yeah. Because autumn is not a verb. No. (laughs) That's a wonderful phrase. (laughs) Pearls of wisdom from James.
1: Also in the cold open, how long has Norm been at Cheers? 17 hours. And he says, that 17 hours flew by. He's nothing but committed. Is that Norm? Imagine drinking for that long. He's a fine feckle
0: for that time in the morning. He doesn't seem that drunk. No. He certainly ate something in between, though. You'd hope so. Lots and lots of bar snacks.
1: Lots of dirty bar snacks. Eddie has his drink superstition, his club soda, but he also says that he's got two other superstitions or two other actions he carries out before a game. What are they? Something to do with his socks. His skates, he puts his left skate on first and then his right skate. And what else has he been doing since his winning streak? He wears his underwear inside out. That's right, yes. And ultimately, is that a bad thing? Does it really change? Does underwear have an
0: inside and an outside? As long as you're consistent.
1: Yeah. Does, does underwear have a sort of inner layer with a function? Is he losing out somehow by having the inner layer on the outside?
0: You seem very opinionated on this part.
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's intriguing, isn't it?
0: Another question here. Uh, Diane, as a joke, when they start recognising Eddie, states that he has the record for stuffing beer nuts up his nose, but that is a different man. Can you tell me the name of the man who has the record for stuffing beer nuts up his nose?
1: Oh, yes. Um, Norm says a name, something like Johnny Sniffles, something like that.
0: You're not far off. It's Jimmy the Snorkel Stevens. Ah, good old Jimmy. That's the last call. What do you think of the episode? I enjoyed it.
1: I felt that the Diane storyline hasn't really gone anywhere yet and was a little bit trying. But the Carla thing, it's, it's obvious where it's setting it up, but it's nice to see Carla excited by a nice man.
0: I think what we're going to have as our house special, what we're going to drink tonight, we're going to have, obviously, club soda, no ice, two slices of lime, and a red straw.
1: And a napkin to put over the club soda to pop the red straw on at the end and not even finish it.
0: I was going to say, he must have been in quite the rush. Mm. Came in, half a glass, and went, oh, okay, bye now. Uh, And then left.
1: Yeah. Now, James, I'm not a superstitious man. So do you mind if I finish my club soda? Yeah, you
0: drink it up. Are you going to finish yours? Yeah, I think I'll finish mine. Tell you what, Jay Thomas is Eddie Lebeck. He might be our guest of the month in our newsletter available on Patreon for our Patreon subscribers.
1: How exciting. Well, I'll raise my club soda to that. Thank you, James. I look forward to it.
0: We look forward to seeing how this double parter continues next week. Thank you for listening. This has been Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a cheers podcast.